My wife and I uh, were at a, my continuing education event at a retreat center that actually had an elevator uh, where we were staying. And I remember pressing the button on the elevator and I, and I stopped and I said, I'm sorry, did you want to press that? Because I'm thinking back to when our kids were little. I don't know about you, but it was a massive fight and an emotional crisis. It's my turn to hit the button on the elevator. They kept scoring. I mean, we weren't in places with elevators often. But four months later, Seth would pull out, hey, Kate, it's my turn. Remember back four months ago. Any of you all wanted to hit a button this week? Maybe the Staples easy button, things at the office are crazy or at home are crazy for some of our schools have started back. Maybe some of you who have a child who's in eighth grade or higher, you've wanted to hit the panic button. Let's admit it, there's only about five of us in this room that can do Algebra 2 and above, right? Most of us want to hit the panic button. How, this is not what I did in high school. Or if you have little kids. If you have little kids, you're wanting to hit the America's Got Talent golden buzzer button. Confetti flying, laser lights, orchestra playing because they're gone. They're back to school or they're going back to school. It's a celebration. And for some of us who don't have kids, we can no longer hit the snooze button because we're having to get up because that school bus schedule is putting us 10, 10 minutes later in our commute. What about a reset button? That's what we want to look at over these weeks together. Through the month of August, how is it you and I need to hit a reset button? It's kind of that season where we do that. We do it at New Year's. We do it kind of at kids going back to school. We don't all have kids, but it's just kind of that time where Sunday schools kick back off and small groups kick back off, different schedules. How is it, especially what we see in Scripture today, how is it we just see people hitting the reset button and saying, God, let's start over. Let's start over. How do we see it here? If you're a note taker, I want to give you three words today. The first word is revelation. The first word is Revelation. As we look here in 1 Chronicles 34, really 14 through 16, you've heard Renee say it and Ben read it. They found the law. Maybe it's just Deuteronomy. People guess about what that book was as they were, as they were uh, 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 in the temple. They find it. And, 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 and here's this law of God. And once they find that law, everything gets reset. This is the manual for how we reset Life. Once confronted by the revelation of God, everything's reset. You've heard Renee say it. They had fallen into stuff I won't even talk about. You can look here. You can go back to 2 Kings 23. It's the same story, and it's got more details about the absolute rebellion and idolatry that the very people of God had fallen into. And sadly, we're going to see in just a minute, they even missed some of the basic stuff that they were to be about. But having the Word of God, reading the Word of God, listening to the Word of God gave them a reset. I've shared with you once uh, before that, that one of my parents had a profound experience when I was in high school. Uh, nominal churchgoers. But something had happened junior high, high school in their life, and not only did it shape them, but I saw something I had not seen before in one of their lives. Uh, everybody, I don't know about your family, but most families have the chair, right? You kind of have the, it's, you know, three little bears. They're mama chair, daddy chair, whatever, right? You have your favorite chair, and this parent's chair that we were not to sit in 
now had a Bible beside it. And I'd walk back in that room, and there would be my parent with that Bible after that experience with the Lord, and it was routine. But it wasn't just routine reading. There was life change because of that reading. When we have the revealed Word of God before us, there is to be life change, and that's what you see happening for this king, and it's what you see happening uh, for the people of God. Their lives are shaped and formed by being in the Word of God. I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago, so I'll let you go back to that psalm as we talked about the importance of the Word. But I've been reading through, I told you once before, Francis Asbury's letters and his journals as part of my daily quiet time. And in this particular week, he talks about the Word of God, but it's interesting. It's not in the section of his journal about the Word of God. It's under the section, Hard Work. Now listen, Francis Asbury, one of the first two Methodist bishops of of our country who risked all, who gave up, uh, there's all kinds of things in his life that he gave up, even heartbreak of leaving parents who didn't want him to leave, all those things, but, but how did he do it? And I think one of the great reminders is from his journal, as he says, uh, and just reading this week, I read the word of God again through, it took four months. Anybody here read the word in four months? If you have, keep your hand down, we don't want to see it. We feel guilty, but this is what he said. This means hard work for me to find time. And so he's up at four or five every morning so he can be in the word of God. For all that God did through Francis Asbury's life, for the way that he reached so many thousands for Christ, that he risked so much, it's found because of his quiet time, his life was reset because of this book. They uncover the law of God, and their lives are different. There's a change in Josiah. There's a change in the people of God. How do you and I, let's let's use this season, this resetting season, how is it you and I need to hit reset in our reading and our listening uh, to the Word of God? But it's not just revelation. The second word would be reverence. Reverence, and, uh, and you can go to, to chapter 35 uh, for that, 35 verse 18, or you can go back to 2 Kings uh, 23. It'll give you more details about this. But this, this, is, this is kind of, look, I understand too. We've, we've been through a hard season, two plus years now of pandemic and just all this adjusting and, and wondering, you know, can I be in groups? All that stuff. I know it. It's just, it is just messed with worship. It just has. It's messed with so many other things, but it has. But it's interesting. Once they have the Word of God, it, watch what happens in their life. They celebrate Passover. You can go back later to chapter 35, 18, or back to 2 Kings 23. They go back to having Passover. Again, you think about the heartache of these last two years. The family reunions you missed out on. The graduations. I'm one of those parents who missed out watching a child graduate. All those things, all the struggles of work and and family and, and wanting to go to sporting events or see people. All of that for two and a half years now has been a struggle. This has been forever for them. You read chapter 35, you read 2 Kings 23. They haven't had Passover for forever. 
Now you know that's a foundational moment in the people of God's life. They haven't been together for that. You watch Jesus' life. He's in Nazareth, so he's not required as a Jewish male to go to Passover. He's encouraged, but he's not close enough. You know what Luke chapter 2, verse 41 says? That Joseph and Mary and Jesus went to Passover every year from Nazareth. Every year. Y'all, that's 10 days of walking. 8 to 10 days of walking. Then you're at the festival. It's 8 to 10 days getting back. That's their plan every year. A solid month of their life. And if I had to guess, and this is a guess, I'm guessing they did it for the other two festivals as well. You add all that up together, just travel time, that's, that's two months of travel time just to get to Jerusalem for the festivals. And you say travel time, yeah, risk of being on the road, the cost of being on the road. Do you know how many bologna sandwiches you have to pack for a 10-day trip? The work and the effort to plan for 10 days on the road. Why? Reverence before God. I'm going to be with the people of God and the house of God I'm going to reset my life before God. They're celebrating not just, and you are on the other side of it, they're not just celebrating God's sovereign work in their life for freedom. It's the, it's the coming Christ, the very Paschal Lamb of God, who celebrated in that moment, and I'm going to be there and to enjoy God and again to have a time of reset. Maybe it's your own personal worship. Maybe it's corporate worship. But it's a, it's a time of year where it's a, it's a good word, and especially this passage, to, to see again how is it you and I need to have a reset on our worship of God. Now this last thing, the last word, revelation, reverence, but repentance. And this, this is a key response for any believer when we're confronted by the word of God, the presence of God, the love of God, the truth of God is repentance. I, uh, I had heard of a Sunday school teacher who asked her children, uh, and she was asking them, can you tell me what you must do uh, before you can receive forgiveness of sins? And of course, what she's fishing for is the answer, repentance. You need to repent of your sins, confess your sins, share that to God. What do you need to do to receive forgiveness for sins? You know the answer she got? Well, I guess you got to go out and sin. No, no, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> yeah, repentance. Now you know you know what what pastors remind us of. It's not the root word, but part of the understanding of repentance is I turn, I I do a, a one eighty. I was living this way. Now I'm going to live that way. I was speaking this way. Now I'm going to speak this way. I was treating people this way. Now I'm going to treat people that way. And Josiah has already got some reforms. It depends on which passage you read where some of that's being done, where there's, he's somebody who doesn't turn from the left or from the right, if you go back early in our passage. Um, there's something right about that. Uh, and you go down to verse 31 in our passage. They are now going to keep, they covenant together, confronted by the law of God. There's a reset, a returning. They are now going to keep God's commandments together. And every time we come to this table, Every time do we come to this holy meal, it's a time for us to say, Lord, where are those places? What are those things? What are those activities? What are those words? Where do I need to turn? Because in this table, in this meal, is the very grace of God. Jesus will meet us here. 
So how is it you and I do need to repent, to have a turning in our life, a reset of our practices, our, our, our living? Let's ask that question today. Let's don't leave without asking that question as we come to this table and to these altar rails. But there's a deeper meaning to the word repentance. At the root word in the Greek, repentance means it's not just a turning of life, but it has to do with a change of mind. It has to do with a, a, a complete reorientation of, of life. It has to do with a fundamental transformation of outlook. And again, Josiah is not turning to the left or the right. He's turned to God. But get down to verse 40, 31. There's something more than just avoiding bad and turning to the right. Something deeper than that. Verse 31. It's a heart and soul thing. I, I just don't want to go through hoops and turn and avoid bad and, and turn to good. But I, just, I want the things of God. I want all that God has for me. I want to be about the things of God. It's a different mind. It's a different heart. If it's not that, repentance is going to be short-lived. It was. Go back. You go to Hezekiah. It was a short-lived revival. This will break your heart. Uh, this is a short-lived revival. This revival doesn't, doesn't last but a generation. Same thing with Jonah. Jonah says his five words in Hebrew. Everybody repents, right? Throws on sackcloth. You get this violent people turn back to God. Within a generation, they're just as bad as they were, or actually even worse. It can't just be an external. We're going to do right. There's got to be a heart and a soul. Paul says it to the church in Rome. If you want to be transformed, it has to be through renewing of your mind. Here, Josiah's reforms. It's my heart and my soul. I just don't want to turn my life. I want my heart to be turned to you. I will no longer think like this world thinks. I will no longer love what this world loves, but I want the things of God. What I want is Jesus as Lord, and I want him glorified in my work, in my family, and how I live. I love him. I love his ways, and I'm going to have his mind, the very mind of Christ. How is it you and I need to reset? In our own reading of the word for life transformation, how is it you see it in Josiah, it makes a difference in his life. How is it you and I maybe need to recommit or reset on our listening to and study of the word? How is it we can just recommit to, to our reverence before God and our, and our worship before God? Anything this morning that needs a 180, God, would you show me that? Would you show us that? Where are those things in my life? Maybe, maybe it's small things I've let creep in. Maybe it's small things I've just stopped doing. Where's that turning you need from me? But at the heart of this, if it's going to last, Lord, would you give me your mind? Would you give me your heart? May my heart and soul be yours. So we come this morning to this table. We come to this table to, to, to remember Christ, to lift up Christ, to celebrate him, but also to receive his grace for the strength of turning, for, for, for the gifting of his grace that we might have hearts and souls that are his. So as we come to this table, we remember the invitation as we come that Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another.
we come to this meal, we remember that on the night in which Christ was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, as he broke the bread, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, remember this, uh, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Almighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.